Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We'll buy it. I guess by we're back, I mean I'm back because Jimmy's away doing military training, which is why it took so long for this episode, but then we he's still gone, and I, he just has to get his priority straight because he's not here, and apparently that's more important than what we've got to talk about today, which is actually quite a bit of stuff, and with him not being here, it means I get to let out my full rage on some of the stupidity that these people have made. And to call it content, I'm looking at you, Thor, and future Captain America Forge. We'll get to in a minute. Leaving mixed reviews. Spoiler, I didn't like them. Newsflash, we have a lot to go over today. From Thor, Captain America 4, Stranger Things finale. Oh, what a phenomenal show. Terminal List with Chris Pratt. Skull and Bones dropped a little bit. It's been a while since we've seen gameplay for that bad boy. Resident Evil drops tomorrow. There's a lot going on. The creative Yu-Gi-Oh died. We're all mixed emotions right here. There's a lot of stuff to take over. And there will be spoilers for Thor, Stranger Things... Ah, not really terminalist because I'm not done with that yet. But for those two, yeah. How else am I going to break it down? And you, I may be doing you a favor with Thor. Let's, let's start with the bad boy, the god of thunder, the prince charming of the MCU first. Thor Love and Thunder has been receiving mixed reviews. I watched it, and now I know why. Some of the stuff they decided to do in this movie is just... Why? What? The potential, the heat you ran away with from Thor Ragnarok and the other movies of us seeing Thor, and you plop this mediocrity joke spoof of a Marvel movie in front of us and expect it to go over it? No, I'm not going to let it slide. I let Star Wars slide because we didn't talk about that, and I want to talk about it with Jimmy. Oh, if you would have heard my review for that show, I held no remorse. Even less remorse than Halo, because I expected more. But now I know not to expect anything from Disney Star Wars, because it's an utter, complete disaster show. But let's get into Thor and break it down. Some of the stuff. Let's start with some of the jokes, okay? Yo, when you tell the joke once, that's funny. You tell it the second time, I'll giggle. When you tell it the third time, fourth time, fifth time, no. The joke better be ridiculously hilarious if you're trying to make the audience laugh. That many times from the same joke. There were little kids, 7-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds in my theater. Dude, and there were these screaming goats in the actual movie. This is a joke. This is a punchline that they would just throw in. Just and let them scream. Ah! For whatever reason. Just to, like, cut to humor and make a funny joke and make a scene and get the audience laugh. Man, after multiple times, even the kids in the audience weren't even laughing at it. It was just like, alright, we got it. First time I laughed. Second time... Still funny. Third time, it's like, alright, you better not do it again. Fourth time, it's like, what are you doing? Fifth time, and you're just like, come on. I know you didn't run out of jokes. There was other stuff you could have done. There's other stuff. You fill the time slot with these repeated jokes as opposed to some of the best stuff in the movie, which was Christian Bale. And we'll get into it a little bit because his performance was off the charts. He was doing what he does best, and that's acting. He was doing a phenomenal gore, the God Killer, and we wanted more of him, and we just didn't get that. And I'll talk on that in a little bit, because there's another joke with Mjolnir and Stormbreaker, these inanimate objects, but apparently they've got they've got feelings this time, and this whole movie, it's their time of the month, because they're upset. I'm, I'm pissed off Stormbreaker this time, because Thor is talking to Mjolnir, and if this sounds dumb to you, that's because it is. That's because it is. Now, you do it once, Thor's like, Mjolnir, it's been so long since I've seen you, and Stormbreaker comes around the corner and is pretty much like, Hey, what are you doing? Don't don't be cheating on me. I'm still here. Ha ha ha. I laughed. It was funny. I didn't expect it. I, I mean, I didn't think for them to give the inanimate object, like, heartfelt emotions. 
So it got me. I laughed second time. A little bit funny. When it becomes part of the plot for your movie, and you say, Ty, what are you talking about? Again, there will be spoilers, so here we go. Some kids from Asgard get yeeted by Gore, the god killer, and just kidnaps them, takes them away. And then so Thor gets in touch with Heimdall's son, which is one of the kids that gets taken. And he kind of has a telepathic idea, and he's like, okay, now I know where the kids are, I can go find them. Spin Stormbreaker, he's like, beam me up, Scott, he slams it on the ground, tries to go find the kids and teleport there, because throughout the movie, he can teleport with Stormbreaker, but Stormbreaker is upsetty spaghetti, not today, Thor, I'm not teleporting you, because I'm mad you're talking to Mjolnir. This is an actual plot line in the movie. It sounds dumb, it sounds really weird and odd but this is how it works so now they have to go clear off a viking ship put stormbreaker at the helm of the ship slam it down let the goats pull the ship and then it'll make a rainbow road for them to fly on to wherever they want to go which leads us to one of the most disappointing parts of the movie to the man the myth the greek god himself one of the most powerful beings in the mcu battling the celestials and everyone else Zeus, and you may think maybe they just played Zeus wrong. Whoever was playing Zeus wasn't a good actor. No, no, Zeus was played by the Emmy Award-winning grandfather of acting Russell Crowe. This man could have brought so much to the character, but the script they wrote for Zeus was awful, horrendous. He is a prissy little princess, pretty much prancing around. He comes out out of shape dad bod with a gold plate it looks like he picked up from Halloween Express and let me throw fireworks as I introduce myself I'm Zeus everyone look up here all the gods check me out I'm Zeus and just puts on like a show and it was funny it's cool yeah he's making an introduction I I get it but then that's the same character the whole time he has no abilities really no power he's not intimidating he's just one of the strongest gods in the MCU He's Zeus. He can summon mountains with his bare hands. He can teleport you wherever he wants you to be because he is Zeus. He can open portals to alternate dimensions, send you back in time, and let you make out with your past self. Why? Because he is Zeus. And he is that powerful. He is broken, intimidating. He can probably single-handedly wipe Thor, but we don't get that in the movie. No, what do we get? We get Thor begging Zeus for help. And Zeus is afraid. He comes out and talks to Thor. He's like, yo, I get it. Gore's going around slaying the gods. I don't want any beef with that. He has the necromancer sword. I could be the next god to die. I don't want it. I get that. And then he takes the tone and throws it immediately into a joke. And starts laughing and starts getting the rest of the gods to laugh and blah, blah, blah. And you're just pulled out of the scene. You're like, what? Thor gets mad. A little bit of pissed. And then he starts going off, and he starts fighting Zeus's guards. Valkyrie chimes in, starts fighting Zeus's guards. Jane Foster, who's also Thor, which we'll get into in a minute, was also fighting Zeus's guards. Zeus gets mad, throws his lightning bolt. Get this. Thor sees it, catches the lightning bolt, 360s, clips him, puts him on Twitch, throws the lightning bolt back at him, and impales Zeus directly in the chest. Just goes straight through him. And you're thinking... Ty, why is that so weird? One, there's not a shot in the world that that would hit Zeus. Why, you might ask? Because this man can run infinite times faster than the speed of sound. He can open portals to alternate dimensions, which could teleport that anywhere else. If I told you right now, some guy threw a thing and it hit the flash, you'd be like, 
Okay, stop the cap. There's no way. Flash can pretty much stop time. He's so fast. Nothing's going to hit him. Same with Zeus. There's no shot. Like, it just impales Zeus, and then he's gone. He falls over, falls off the platform, splat, pretty much. And he's not dead. We've seen the end credits, and I'll get to it later when I talk about the end of this film. But that's that's all we, we get. That's the end of the high and mighty Zeus for Thor, Love and Thunder, played by the amazing Emmy winner, Russell Crowe. What are we doing? What is, the, what is the idea behind that? That makes zero sense at all. I don't understand. There's no impact of how cool Zeus is, how powerful he is. He's prancing around in a skirt with a costume he bought at Halloween Express and a dad bod claiming to be the best and not a single person in the movie or the audience actually believes this man is as cool and as strong as he should be. He gets single-handedly taken out by Zeus, not to mention only by Zeus, but by his own lightning bolt. It's ridiculous. It's pitiful. And then... Don't worry, more gods are coming for backup, but the screaming goats prance their way in and save the day on the Rainbow Road Voyager Express of Doom as they go to find Gore. And now they've stolen Zeus's lightning bolt and have left the palace of the gods. I don't want to say completely unscathed because Korg did get hit with the lightning bolt. Uh, that is Korg the rock guy, not Gore. And he's pretty much just a floating head the rest of the movie. Not dead, just a floating head. So it kind of takes him out for the rest of the movie. Kind of sad. Everyone likes Korg, man. He's a good comic relief. He's there. His sense of humor is kind of different, and we like it. Something new, something fresh to kind of watch, kind of listen to. And it's a breath of fresh air when he's on screen sometimes. So Korg, my man is down bad. He's broken. He's now a floating head, rock head the rest of the movie. And we proceed... To one of the best scenes in the MCU. In my opinion, one of the coolest fight scenes visually for sure. And I'm trying to think of other fight scenes that may be more visually cool. But this one just takes the cake for some of the stuff for me. They go to the Shadow Planet. Next up comes the big fight. Gore on the Shadow Planet where he is his strongest versus Thor. Versus Lady Thor which is Jane Foster. Versus Valkyrie an extreme assassin who is extremely cool and awesome. And insane at fighting and stuff like that. And Asgardian, she's now the king of Asgard. She's earned her place on this team as well. And Gore has the upper hand in these fights, man. The Shadows is giving him more power. He's a necromancer sword. He needs Stormbreaker to open up the portal. Jane Foster catches on to this, grabs Stormbreaker, whirls it through the air, chucks it into outer space, and is like, Thor, we can't call Stormbreaker back because Gore needs it to open up the portal. Gore, Thor's not put in a situation, right? Because Jane Foster gets captured, and the Lady Sith gets captured, and Gore starts prying Thor's hand open, looking at him, and Bale is doing a great job in this scene. It is so good. It's so visually appealing. I'm hooked on the screen, because the best part of the movie is Bale, and he is on screen right now. And I'm watching it, and he is forcing Thor's hand to open up and call Stormbreaker. He's like, call it, or I will kill them right now. So you just see Thor in this situation of what does he do? And out of nowhere, you just see Stormbreaker fly in, crash through the ground, in Thor's hand. The fight breaks off. What's going to happen? Jane Foster is free. Valkyrie is free. Gore slams his necromancer sword on the ground. The fight starts, and everything goes crazy. Gore's 1v1-ing Thor. It's insane. It's cool. And they start to get slowly overpowered. Uh, Valkyrie ends up getting stabbed in the back by Gore with uh, Zeus's lightning bolt. And they gotta get it. They gotta retreat. She is down bad. She ain't no help anymore. She need a medic. 
ASAP. Drop her a lifeline healing drone or something. So, Thor takes Stormbreaker, slams it on the ground, tries to get out of there. And before they can teleport out, Gore comes out of the ground, grabs Stormbreaker, and pulls it out of Thor's hand. So now Gore has the key to open up the door to the Celestial Being, which gives him one free wish. And his wish being to end all gods on the planet. That is cool. The fight scene is great. That scene is phenomenal. Now Gore is literally dual wielding Apex Legends heirlooms with the Necromancer Sword and Stormbreaker. And it looks pretty cool. But then we get tied back into Jane Foster and where things are going around. Jane Foster was not introduced in this movie very well at all. In fact, when the kids first got taken, she pops up and she knows how to use Mjolnir. She's insane with it. She's cracked. She's battling these shadow demons because she's done this thousands of times before. Oh, no, she, wait, no, no, she hasn't. This is her first time actually wielding Mjolnir. There's no reason for us to believe she's on the same level as Thor or, or Valkyrie at that matter, despite having the power of Thor because she's never wielded. She doesn't even know really what she is doing. But it's cool. I'll buy it for the sake of the story. And the secret behind it is because she has cancer. So she is dying. And she thought one of the ways she could live is by handling Mjolnir. And it's true. It's correct. As long as she is holding Mjolnir, she will be alive. But every time she holds it, then drops it, and pretty much changes back into Jane Foster and not Thor, even more of her life force is taken away. And at this point, she's in the hospital. This is her last chance. The doctors either have the choice to save her, pretty much, and work on her, or she can pick up Mjolnir one more time, one more fight, and save the day. Thor's talking to her about this in the hospital bed. He's like, look, you stay here, baby girl. Because I love you. They bring it back out. Uh, of course, they made out as well. Um, but they bring it back out. Thor's still in love with Jane Foster after all this time. They tell a little bit of their love and romance story. Blah, 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 blah. I would have cut some of that out. I preferred a lot more gore scenes. Because that's the best part of your movie. But they threw that in. It's another pretty disappointing fact about the film. We see Jane. Thor goes to 1v1. Um... Gore, at the final destination, tried to free the kids. Tried to stop him from getting that celestial wish. From ending all gods. And as he's leaving, he picks up Zeus's lightning bolt and Mjolnir. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't pick up Mjolnir. Only Zeus's lightning bolt because he's going to leave Mjolnir and dangle in front of Jane Foster's face and say, Hey, Mjolnir's, I'm leaving Mjolnir right here, but don't you pick that up, Jane. You, you pick up Mjolnir, which I'm leaving right here for you over here, and you're going to die after you drop it again. Okay? Now I'm going to go fight Gore and instead of taking both weapons, which would make sense. I'm just going to walk out of the room, teleport, and Mjolnir's, Mjolnir's right here again, Jane. And he leaves. Leaves Mjolnir behind because plot armor for Jane Foster. And he tries to go fight Thor. He gets to the kids and he's like, look. This is literally what he says. Surprisingly, today I can grant you the power of Thor. So all you kids bestowed upon me by the power of Odin now have the power of Thor. So we got Thor and a kid army of Asgardians blessed by the power of Thor for the reason for the plot to continue, I guess, are now fighting the shadow demons which the highly skilled Asgardian warriors struggled with. These kids are having stuffed animal bunnies that are shooting lasers out of their eyes. If you haven't watched the movie, again, this really happened. This is part of the movie. We've got kids picking up rubble Fighting the shadow demons because they're blessed by the power of Thor. Yeah, that would have been nice in the beginning of the movie when the kids were getting taken. Or when we saw the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'll talk about in a minute. They could have used some of that help. But we'll just 
not do that and save it for the end for a scene that leaves all the audiences scratching their head as in what were you thinking when did you get this power is it because you have zeus's lightning bolt is it because stormbringers man you just don't understand it and if he could do this the whole time why did he not do this well the whole time and so he fights and then jane foster inevitably shows up and they fight gore they break gore's necromancer sword but jane starts to die pretty much right there and gore goes in to get the last wish thor kind of stops him he's like look dude you won you beat us i want to spend my last minutes with jane so Gore goes to make the wish, and instead of wishing for all the gods to be killed, he wishes for his daughter to come back. And here's the problem I have with that. There's, are there rules on this wish? Could he not wish? Because Gore dies. He wishes for his daughter to come back, and he's dead, because he was already dying from the necromancy sword and stuff like that. Could he have not wished, hey, I would love to be alive with my daughter again. Is that wish off the table, oh, almighty celestial being? Is that something you can't? You can't do, I could do anything, you, you get one free wish, except happiness with your daughter and you being alive, because that's not in my rule book of owl powerful mightiness, right? Is that off the table? Is wishing for more wishes off the table? He wishes for his daughter to be alive, Gore dies, and Thor is now stuck at the end of the film with this celestial being who can wield Mjolnir and Stormbringer and is going to fight ancient aliens side by side with Thor, and they nicknamed her love hence the title love and thunder wow how poetic for an ending of a movie that cared more about jokes than it does about its characters and repeats the jokes same four or five times and takes out lots of gore scenes which everyone loves and it's the best part of the movie because christian bale is acting his butt off and doing a phenomenal job as the villain and we just fill it with random jokes and laser beam shooting bunny-eyed children at shadow monsters it just was a I felt like I was watching a spoof of a Marvel movie the whole time, and that's not what I want to see, especially when I'm watching the fourth Thor installment after watching Thor Ragnarok, which was a fantastic Thor movie. Just did not hit home for me. And the end credit scenes. Zeus is still alive. Thank goodness. If he was out that easily, man, that would have been even more pathetic. And Hercules, Zeus's son, is now sent down to hunt down Thor. And you think, Ty, that's going to be a great movie. No, it won't. No, it won't at all. Nobody cares. Not one part of me believes that Hercules is going to go 1v1 against with Thor. And why, you might ask? One, Zeus is stronger than Hercules with all of his powers and everything. Thor beat him in a 1v1 with his own weapon at the very beginning of the, or mid part of the movie. So I'm not concerned that Zeus's little son, I guess he's not a little son, you know what I'm saying? Is going to come put Thor in his place. Make, make, I'm going to make daddy proud. I'm going to beat you up, Thor, because you beat up my dad. Newsflash. Thor is triple-wielding weapons at this point. Mjolnir? Check. Stormbringer? Check. Zeus's lightning bolt? Check. The man can double-wield the hammers in his hands and clench the lightning bolt wherever he wants. His cheeks? His mouth? I don't care. Between his pecs, most likely. And just shoot lightning out of it. There's no chance in the world Hercules is rolling up with his super strength and speed and giving a Thor a big knuckle sandwich and a run for his money. I'm not buying it. No one's buying it one bit. And unless they showed Zeus being more powerful than what he really was, nobody really cares. I want to see the gods. Cool, I'm interested in that. I just don't see them being a big threat 
to the God of Thunder, triple-willing, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic god cosmic artifacts that he has in his hands, crafted by the gods. Not buying it. Jane Foster intels Valhalla in the second post-credit scene and me time delir. Will they bring that in? Maybe. Maybe gives them a reason to bring her in for a clickbait thing or the, just to see other people from uh, Valhalla and stuff like that. But that's the review on Thor. Man, highly, highly disappointing. And I think the only MCU movie that might be more disappointing when it comes out is Captain America 4. They were trying so hard to make us believe, hey, Sam, uh, you know him as, as Falcon in the past. He's going to be your Captain America. You're going to love him as Captain America. Love Sam as Captain America. And just like Captain America 4 will be played. Kind of playing off the ending of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. When Falcon became Captain America. It just does not have the same hit. You're not replacing Chris Evans. I don't care about Sam taking up the shield. No one buys it. No one really wants it. Maybe there's a few people that are like, yeah. It, Ty, it happens in the comics. I know it happens in the comics. And then he gives it back. I prefer Bucky over this. Bucky has a better redemption arc. Sam is a great... Sam's, Falcon's an awesome character in the comics. Like, he's a great character. He's cool. He's reliable. He's loyal. He's everything you want. Like, a, a sidekick character. And they're just taking away him. Giving him Captain America's shield. No one bought it in the show. Falcon and Winter Soldier. No one's buying it for Captain America 4. And I feel like it's just going to lead to a flop. Which is awful to say, but... Dude, I'm not interested in Captain America 4. If Chris Evans isn't wielding that sword, there's no desire in my body at all to honestly go watch that film. You better drop it on Disney+, Plus, unless I may watch it for this for you guys to save you the horrendousness of what it could be. Maybe it's going to be a banger movie, and I'm going to eat my words, and I'm going to be completely wrong. But I highly doubt it. I just, I just don't really doubt it. He struggled to fight some thugs in the show and all this stuff, and it's just, I, I'm not buying it. But... Something that is amazing, shut down, crashed Netflix, worldwide phenomenon, Stranger Things. Holy guacamole. Man, this show is so, it's one of my favorite shows. The 80 nostalgia vibe, what's going on in this town, the upside down, Vecna, all this crazy stuff, Dungeons and Dragons, in one show. And it's just masterful. You just don't want it to stop. It's been two or three years since the last season. And I am going to talk spoilers for Change Things in this as well as I break it down. The characters start off with separate branching stories pretty much. The kid's parents are going to Russia to try and save Hopper from the Russian prison. You get invested in that story, which is good. Then you've got you've got Will and you got Eleven. And you've got all of them on their side story with Jonathan and everything. Trying to save Eleven from the... Pretty much the evil scientist again, Papa, and we get a whole backstory on that, which is really good. But then you got the other third storyline. Anything that ties a lot. No, you get invested in all of these side arcs, and it's great. You you leave one side arc, and you're like, man, what is happening back with Will and them? Man, what is happening back with Steve and the kids as the town is getting thrown into upside down and creatures are going everywhere? Man, what is happening with the parents back at Russia trying to escape and find the entrance to the portal to the... And you're just hooked on the screen with every character. And next thing you know, you're watching an episode an hour and a half. Next thing you know, you're watching two episodes. Next thing you know, the finale is two hours long, but you don't care because you just want more and more and more of Stranger Things. And you're just hooked and glued to the screen. And I loved every minute of it. Man, Eddie Munson. R.I.P. Eddie Munson. 
Aziz, I watched it. Good character in the show. Came into the show brand new. Season 4 filled with a cast of characters we already love. And made a mark for all of us. That we love him. He's a part of the cast. And we're happy to have him. Congrats to that guy. Because that is something really, really hard to do. To come into a show and make people start loving. And you're honestly some people's favorite characters as we can see online. There are hashtags trending. Like, RIP Eddie and bring back Eddie. We need Eddie season 5. Like, they want you back. That's awesome. To bring a character like that and to pull that off in a show. With such like likable characters and a likable cast that they have with Stranger Things. And it's... Can't wait to see where it prevails the next season. Now, we're probably going to have to wait another two years. I'm sad because I won it next year. But the next season is the finale. And it's one of my favorite shows. Especially from Netflix. Man, I am excited to see what's going on in that finale. There is so much that they can just do, and it's just going to take a full 180, and we're going to find out what the upside down is, what the creatures are early for. We got some of the backstory, but we're ready to see the epic conclusion to this show. Now, another show that recently dropped as well, aside from Stranger Things, is Terminalist. So Terminalist is Chris Pratt as a Navy SEAL, Struggling with his anxiety, his traumas from combat, PTSD, and stuff like that. But when he's going over his tapes from his last mission, it seems like the government is trying to hide something. He's thinking back to the mission, and he's listening to his tapes. He's like, wait, I didn't actually say that. That's not how the situation went down. And the government's pushing on, oh, you have, you have a concussion. Something's wrong. You guys aren't being hunted. Next thing he knows, his member of his team is dead. How? And it looks like a suicide note. Chris Pratt's character is not buying it. Reese, not buying it. He's like, no, something's going on. Next thing he knows, bang. Randomly, another member of his team, after they got back from deployment, is dead. He's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. He's like, I just spoke to them a couple days ago. There's no way they killed themselves. He's like, they're just not about it. So he's on this quest to try and prove... That's something fishy. Something else is going on. I'm not done with the show yet. But it is really good as of right now. Um, it's got that cool military vibe. It's got that PTSD. Chris Pratt's character is kind of being hunted at the same time as well. Trying to figure out what's going on. And it's not too bad. I'll give it a final review after I finish the show. I'm kind of taking my time with it. But it's definitely worth a watch if you're not watching anything right now. If you want something else to watch. I believe another movie on Netflix. The Grey Man drops this weekend. And Resident Evil drops tomorrow. Will it be good? There's a possibility. The graphics look good. They could pull off really good zombies, really good creatures, and a lot of fun. Will they? Well, I'll let you know next week, because I'm going to be binging it this weekend. So I'm excited for that. That is stuff to watch this weekend to keep you excited, to keep you fun. Something else dropped in the gaming world, aside from the Apex $2 million tournament, which is exciting to watch. Skull and Bones, an old classic pirate game that's been teased for about 6,000 years now. Finally dropped some gameplay trailer. Finally dropped some images. Finally dropped some announcements. I believe it is dropping this year. It looks fun. It looks like some craft your own ships, craft your own crew, discover treasure on land, battle PvP against enemy players. What ship do you want? Do you want to hold all your loot? Do you want to be able to fight? Are you building your ship for speed? So many options, so much open world things. Discuss with your ship. With your crew, with your friends, and it should be a fun pirate exploring adventure. I'm thoroughly excited to play it and see how it goes. Something else just to spice up 
honestly, everything that's going on right now with, with the gaming industry, there's not much going on. Apex did have their ALGS, which is their big tournament for the year. $2 million was on the line. Really good performance from the pro teams. TSM, excellent job. 100 Thieves, excellent job. Just so much. It was a fun tournament to watch. I was in and out watching it for a bit, and I enjoyed it. And I'm excited to wear, see where it goes from there. There's not a lot of games coming out. More shows dropping out, which is fine. It is summer. Nope, I believe, also drops this month. Uh, Jordan Peele's movie. I'm excited to see that. Why? Because Jordan Peele's movies are different. It's not your run-of-the-mill horror thriller movie. There's some underlying tones. There's some crazy stuff going on. And you're trying to put this mystery together as you're watching. Like, what's really going on in this movie? Because I want to know, but I don't know. But I'm hooked to the screen because the acting's great and the story's intriguing. And I'm so excited to watch this next movie. Because uh, the other ones, they're an acquired taste. Do I have not a taste? Maybe. Maybe not. Did I watch Miss Marvel? No. Will I? No desire at all because it looks awful in my opinion it looks more like a disney channel show but there is an end credit scene from miss marvel confirming saying that she is a mutant which means drum roll another instance of confirming mutants in the mcu this could be huge leading to the x-men and stuff like that i'm super excited if they bring the x-men to i don't know though who they're gonna cast as wolverine cyclops are they gonna make him younger charles xavier who knows? I'm excited, though, as they branch off into the X-Men more into the MCU. It's great. There's a lot to talk about next week. There's a show on Apple TV as well. Again, there's quite a few shows, as I mentioned before. Heavy, heavy show uh, podcast this week. Um, Wow. I just lost the name. Let me pull it up one sec. Because it looks pretty well. Uh, about a criminal hunting down another... Criminal Terran Egerton plays the criminal in Blackbird. Pretty much he's sentenced to 10 years. Or you can give the FBI a hand as we catch another criminal. I am planning on starting that tonight, watching some Terminalists. I will let you guys know how those show are, shows are if they're worth watching. Resident Evil drops this weekend. I believe also uh, The Gray Man on Netflix by the Russo Brothers drops this weekend or next weekend. Stay tuned for all those and those reviews coming up next week as we have a lot more. Jimmy will not be back, so you baby girls are stuck with me. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Sorry for the delay. Hopefully Jimmy makes it back so we can handle all my rambling.